Thank you, praise team. I'm so glad that you guys do such an awesome job. Can we give them a round of applause? Jose, that was an outstanding prayer. I appreciate that. I'm going to take notes. The Lord is so good. I have, I've had people come ask me, said, uh, man, you just, I'm a little hot on this. Uh, they said, man, you, you know, how was your trip? And I keep forgetting that I was gone last week. Because, um, to be honest, the whole time I was in California, we didn't even see a blue sky. Because every morning you'd get out and, and there would be a soot on your car from all the fires. And the, so the sky was just brown. Uh, so it was just, it was, uh, you know, I love seeing the grandson and everything else. But Nancy and I kept talking about getting back home to Florida. And, you know, it's amazing wherever you're at, where God wants you to be. That's home. It, and it's important to find that spot. I know in, in uh, church, in, in, in the ministries in church, you know, my heart's desire for us, for this church, is to get back to a fundamental understanding of why the Christian and Missionary Alliance even exists. Why we serve God. It's so easy to get caught up and encumbered with, with all the activities of a church, and they're not wrong, and they're not bad. They're actually good things, but you can get so caught up in all of the, the decoration of a church and all the busyness of a church that we can fail to remember that we were lost, and now we are found. And man, it's, it's one of those key concepts that if, if you don't get it, if you don't live it on a daily basis, you'll find yourself starting to slip away from that relationship with Christ. I know it's one of the key components in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. When first time I heard of the CMA, I thought, well, what is that? Because I had no idea. But do you realize that the Christian and Missionary Alliance has birthed more denominations than pretty much any other denomination out there? The, the assemblies of God and many of the other larger, they all stem from this group. In fact, A.B. Simpson was the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and it was, wasn't started as a, as a church. It was started as a, a group of people that got together and pray and supported missions after going to service. And, but Simpson was an interesting guy, and, and in 1864, he, he took a pastorate of a Presbyterian church in Canada, and then and it, running about 1,200, that was a mega church back then in 1864. If you had a church of, you know, 1,200, that was huge. And so then he moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and which really was amazing. In 1874, keep in mind the Civil War just happened in 1865. So less than 10 years later, here's A.B. Simpson, and he's in Kentucky, kind of on the border where both sides are kind of trying to mingle and still had a lot of resentment it was still being effective in his church but kept feeling like there was just something he was missing kept ministering kept ministering and then a guy named major uh whittle isn't that a great name major what's your name my name's major you know <laughs> this is my brother minor uh, but but major whittle came in and he was speaking about the greater life the higher life we, we simply know it as the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and 
and Whittle was having an amazing success. So, so Simpson said, Lord, if there's something more, it's something more that I can have in my life. You know, and he prayed and fasted, and the Lord filled him with the Holy Spirit. And from that point in his life, his ministry took off. In fact, he moved to New York and started a, a great ministry there. And in 1887, he came up with the fourfold gospel. Christ our Savior, Christ our Sanctifier, Christ our Healer, Christ our Coming King. These are the four doctrines or beliefs that all the Christian and Missionary Alliance hold to. In fact, all Christians pretty much hold to these in one shape, form, or fashion. But I want you to understand something about this church. He came out with this in 1887. This church was founded in 1897. It was fresh. It was live. It was real. It was relevant. And, and the thing is, this wasn't something that was 100 plus years old. This was fresh and it was new. And, and when they formed this church, they embraced this foundational truth of Christ our Savior, Christ our Sanctifier, Christ our Healer, and Christ our Coming King. And this church mushroomed. And it's my passion, my desire, my goal is to, for us to, to not, not lose what we have, but let's uncover that foundation of Christ crucified. And let's understand a little bit about Christ our Savior. Can we do that? So it, if we were to move that screen up, but please don't move that screen up. If you would move that screen up, you would see a beautiful stained glass window with four emblems on there. Anybody ever seen that one? And if you look over to the corner, there's a little piece of glass that's broken out of it. Everybody ever see that too? Bugs me to death. Uh, but those symbols represent Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. And I want to take time over the next few weeks, and, and I want to, like, preach. I want to do a cross between teaching and preaching. So... So, and I gave you a, a form so you could follow along, but here's the thing, don't get used to that because I normally don't have those because the, two things. One, one, it locks steps me into where I have to go and, and it kind of, I don't like to do that. And the other thing is when, it, when you're trying to fill in the blank, you're just looking for the next answer and you're not listening to me. So, so please, if, you, if, I look, if I look at you and I just stop and I'm staring at you, give me a nod. Let me know. Let me know you're not waiting for the next answer because I will give you a fake one. <laughs> so, and then, uh, you know, and, and please, one other thing, and, and I'm, I'm looking at just one row of guys back there. No, no uh, paper airplanes, please. I know them. They will do that. So, Christ, I want to talk to you, and I don't know how far we'll get today, but wherever we end today, we'll start up next week. Is that okay? So, I want to talk to you today not about all four, but Christ our Savior. What does it mean to have a Savior? What are we saved from? What are we saved to? What are the benefits of salvation? Now, I want to talk about all of those things uh, this morning. Well, let's back up one. I just missed. So, 
our sins, when we talk about salvation, our sins are forgiven. Colossians 1.14, here's Paul, he's writing to the church in Colossae, and he is saying, and he's talking of Christ, and he's talking about the preeminence of Christ. And if, if you really want to read one of Paul's letters about the preeminency of Christ, read Colossians, because it just puts him right there on the throne. And, and, and Colossians 1.14 says, in him, Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow! Think about that. We have been redeemed. We've been bought back. In other words, we have been given something that we didn't earn on our own and we it had no merit toward it, but we have been redeemed. Do you realize that you've been redeemed? You know, it's, you get thrown in jail and, and, they, and you have to have somebody bail you out they're kind of redeeming you they're getting you out of jail or and I, i've told you before but you know most of you remember remember the old s and h green stamps i love those things my tongue is still a little numb from some of them because you lick them put them in the books wouldn't you hate to work in that store and get all those nasty books uh, but you'd go in and, and, and you'd, you couldn't give money, but you could give books of stamps and then you could buy something, redeem something. It's called the Redemption Center. And, and, and that's what the idea here is, is that we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. What Christ did for us, he's redeemed us. And through that, we have the forgiveness of sins. Sins. Not, and this is a, it's an interesting word, sins. It's past, present, future. It's sins, period. The sins that you've committed, the sins that you may commit today, and any, any sins that you've committed in the future, it's sins. It's all-inclusive. It's the ones you remember. It's the ones you don't remember. You've been redeemed. You have forgiveness of sins. Let that sink in. See, Christ is our complete Savior for all eternity. Revelation 7.10 says, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And he's talking about in Revelation 7.10, that's us. That's us. We're gathered around the throne room of God. We're, we're in heaven with all the nations, all the nations and the tribes and the various languages. Every, la every nation and every tribe and every language on earth is going to be there. And we're going to be around that throne. Man, you've got to catch this picture because if you don't get it, man, you're, you're missing out. It's every group and ethnicity of people are all together and we're all singing worthy is the lamb can you imagine how ruckus that place is going to be i think we need to start uh clapping a little bit more because just to warm up for that because if you if you think they're just going to be sitting there like this saying worthy is the lamb boy you are going to be out of place because they are going to get with it and to be honest, I'm going to push myself to the front because I think I'm probably going to do a little dancing too. Because, man, we're, we're going to be there and, and we're going to be in heaven and we're going to see everything that Christ has given us and we're going to be looking at all of it and then we're going to remember that we were saved by Him. Do you think that we are going to sit there solemnly and say, oh, by the way, thank you. Oh, man. And it's for eternity. Eternity, eternity, forever. This is why we're Christians. 
It's not, it's not to check off our name on a roll. It's because he saves us, and he saved us from all of our sins. He's forgiven us, and it's not just for today or tomorrow or next week. It's for eternity. Yeah. Is it? That's what I was looking for right there. Look, we're saved from our guilt. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That, that's, a, that's not er, Christ. That's in. Oh, you see it back there. It just has an IR. Uh, in Christ Jesus, therefore there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation. You cannot be condemned if you are in Christ. That the adversary can't come up and say, look at all the things that he did, or look at all the things that she did, look at all the things that they said, look at all the places they went, look at all the times that they, that they railed against you, God, look at all the times that they did these bad things, because when the Lord opens that book of life and sees your name in it, and your transgressions have been blotted out by the blood of Christ, then there is no condemnation for you because you are clean in the eyes of God. I'm getting excited about this. I may actually just forget the teaching part and just preach. Oh, I'm having fun. See, here's the world's view of sin. Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools make fun of guilt. You know, the Bible tells us not to call anybody a fool. And yet, here's God saying, hey, fools make fun of guilt. We live in a culture. We live in a culture that makes fun of purity. If, if you're a, a young person and you have your virginity, the world will make fun of you. But God doesn't. See, they're fools. Scripture says that our culture, those that don't know Christ, those that make fun of the sin that they're committing, and, and all you have to do is look at our, our movies that are produced and, and all of the daily life that's happening around us, and, and, and you look and say, how could somebody live in that debauchery? How could somebody live in that lifestyle? It's because they have been fooled. They're, they're living according to their own nature he says, fools make fun of it. Just laugh about the things that are wrong. He said, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. If you're a Christian, it's because you realize, you acknowledge, man, I got some stuff in here that's not right. And I need to get it changed. And aren't you thankful that the Lord says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because the godly, the godly, Acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. Think back when the Lord spoke to you. Because I want to get back down to the roots here. Think back about when the Lord spoke to you and you realized that you were not right with Him. Did you laugh about it? Or did you say, oh, I've got to change this. The world's view of sin is wrong. What is sin? Scripture says it's hamartia. It simply means falling short. It's kind of like an, an archer where he's got the bullseye and he shoots and it lands over here or over there. He misses the mark. That's what sin is. It's, it misses the mark of, of godliness. It misses the mark of holiness. 
falling short. It's an act contrary to God's will to err or rule of law. In other words, God is holy and all His law is holy and He creates His law because He is holy. That's why the Scripture says, Be holy for I am holy. And anything less than holiness is sin. Anybody ever been truly holy their entire life? That's sin. sin is any transgression to God's law. James 1.15 says this, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I, I really love this, this scripture because it, it creates so much imagery. It says, when desire has conceived... See, the, the adversary goes to us and attacks us through the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And it always starts right here. We spoke on that a few weeks ago about the, the greatest battlefield was your mind. Because once it hits here, when it drops 18 inches to your heart, then you, then you start getting the, your emotions and, and you get desire. And once that desire is conceived, you're going to act on it. And it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it's going to give birth to death. That's what sin is. Sins are real evil. 1 John 5, 17, all wrongdoing is sin. All is an inclusive word. It means everything, all of them. You kind of get in the big picture here? Let, let's narrow it down and leave it a little bit more. It's a moral and evil, a judicial evil. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Period. That's what sin is. It's lawlessness against God. So when, when somebody says, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't know if I need God. I don't know if I need Christ. I haven't, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Yeah, but anything. If you've lied one time, that's, that's sin. Sin. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to help you understand. What, what is sin? What are we saved from? And where did it come from? Sin's a personal evil. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. You ever, you ever watch sheep? They just kind of meander around. You always got that one that goes off. And that's what Scripture's saying, that all of us, we're not impervious to sin. All of us have fallen astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's, here's Isaiah, 750 years before Christ, and he's, and he's prophesying, and he's saying, listen, we've all gone astray, we've all sinned, we're all going our different ways, and yet the Lord has laid on Jesus our iniquity, our sin. It's a universal evil, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. You, you see any room in there for somebody not to have sinned? And you see why it's so important why Christ came? Because if we're, as humans, if we are all sinners, we, a sinner cannot redeem a sinner. Only somebody that's perfect can redeem the imperfect. That's why Christ had to come. See, it, sin originated with the fallen angelic host in the heavens. And, and when, when, you know, when Jesus dropped, kicked them out of heaven, wouldn't that have been great? It started, it started there. And look, look at this. It said, sin entered the human race through Adam and Eve. 2 Corinthians eleven three 3 says, 
but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It, it started there in the garden through the adversary getting us through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's where sin originated, and that's where sin entered into all of our lives. Because if Adam was a sinner, everyone came from Adam and Eve, and everybody inherits that nature of sin. What is the nature of sin? You guys have a nature of sin? That nature of sin is, is that, that same thing in your life that, that does not... You don't have to go to school and they say, okay, little Johnny, little Susie, I'm going to teach you how to lie today. You don't have to teach anybody how to lie. When my mother would say, are you in the cookie jar? And I'd say, no, 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 I'm not. You know, and have, have a giant mouthful of cookies. I lied. And nobody had to tell me that. It just came out. That's the nature of sin that's in us. It's it's universal. It entered through, through Adam and Eve. And, look, and, and here's, here's a key point. God is not the author of, uh, of sin. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God doesn't tempt. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. We are tempted when we are led astray by our own carnal nature. It's us. We, we, we've got to own that. If you really want to get down to the, to the basics of Christ our Savior, you have to understand that all of us are sinners. That there's no big eyes, there's no little use. We're all on the same playing field. All are sinners. Everybody. Everybody, everybody, he's saying, but, but I'm not less of a sinner than them. I'm a sinner, but not as bad as them. All have sinned. All sin will keep you out. Little ones, big ones, things we know, things we don't know. See, and the effects of sin are, are physical, spiritual, and eternal. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. The reason why we die is because of sin. The reason why we fight death is because originally, when Adam and Eve were created, they were intended not to die. So there's that part of us that were created in the image of God. There's that part of us that does not want to die. We don't want to die. Anybody in here want to die? I don't want to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. You know, and, and it's a natural thing in us because we don't want to die because we were, we were designed, we were created to live, but it's the sin that's the death in us. And, and when we follow after Christ, that's the life in us. And nobody wants to die. But we all will. Because it's appointed unto man wants to die because of sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, I love that word wages. I love the word wages. You know, remember you get your, you ever got, remember, anybody remember getting their first check from their first job? And you're sitting there wondering, who's FICA and why did he take some of my money? 
You know? And so you're, you're sitting there wondering, you know, but that was your wages. You worked and they gave you wages. And it's like, wow, I got $112. I'm rich, you know? You know? And then, uh, you know, so then you go out and blow it on Friday and then, on, then you have to struggle and starve all week and get another one. So, but the wages of sin, what, the sins that we create, sins that we commit, there is a payment for that, and the payment is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Are you catching why we have to have Christ as Savior? See, his sins affect. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I love that word, that, this passage. I think it was John Piper that said, you know, we weren't in the doghouse with God. We were in the cemetery. Sometimes we, we live like we're in the doghouse. Oh, God's mad at us, but he'll, he'll get over it. You're dead. If you don't have Christ, you're dead. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. There's no life in you if you are apart from Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because that, that spirit that lived in Christ, if it's not living in you, that spirit is the light that gives life unto men. And if you do not have that spirit of Christ in you, you are dead. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how how. Uh, nice of a dresser you are if you don't have Christ you're dead did I make a point okay uh, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient man that was me all of us also lived I love that word all all of us all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were the na by nature objects of wrath. That scripture pinpoints every single one of us, and it shakes me to my core. I want you to really look at it. All of us used to just kind of go and do what we wanted to do. Remember the statement, if it feels good, do it? Eh, you know, just go and do it. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what your mom said, dad said, aunts, uncles, grandparents. It doesn't matter what the church said. Hey, if you wanted to do it, just go do it. If it, if it, it felt good to you, just do it. We were following the cravings of our life. We were following the cravings of our heart. And, and by doing that, not only we were dead, but look at that passage of Scripture. We were by nature, the carnal nature, objects of wrath. Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I consider the greatness of God, I consider all the things that He has created. I consider how much power He really has that not only the world but the in, in our universe, but everything the galaxies everything out there is held by his simply his word he is so powerful he is so amazing he is so omnipotent he can do all of these things and he says those that are dead in their trespasses and sin are the objects of his wrath now i don't know about you but i don't want to be on the other side of god I want to have his love. I want to have his grace. I want to have his mercy. I want to have his blessings. I want to have all of the good things of God that come through Jesus Christ. I do not want to be dead in my trespasses and sin and be the object of God's wrath. 
And here's something we need to understand about God. Just as much as God is loving and He is caring and He is love and He is full of love and He will give salvation to anybody that asks, there's going to be a day that He is the judge of all the earth and those that don't know Him will be the objects of His wrath. And we need to understand that we need to be thankful for our salvation And we need to have a burden for those that don't know Him. Objects of wrath. I don't want that. So what does He save us from? How much time do I have? Oh, I don't have all day. My wife's in, Sunday, in children's ministry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm, I'll go through this and then we'll pick it up next week. We are saved from... See, I spoke the truth in love, didn't I? Uh, we are saved from the guilt of sin. Think about that. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. We were the objects of His wrath, but now we get to draw near to Him with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance. You know that you know that you know that you are a child of God. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let me, let me speak on this just for a moment. I want you to really look at this for a second. Because it really speaks to the heart of what Christ has done. Our, we can walk boldly to God. We can, walk, we can pray. We can feel His goodness. We know that we are the children of God. And our guilty conscience has been washed away. Those things that we were embarrassed and we confessed to God and we say, I'm so sorry that I did They're gone. And, and, and if you're still struggling with some of the things that you've done in your family, I'm going to start meddling now, okay? So, because if I don't start meddling, I, then I won't ever quit because I have to do it at least once. So, if you are still struggling with your conscience and you're still struggling with some of the things that you have done and you've already asked the Lord to forgive, them, forgive you, the only person that's bringing that up is either you or the adversary. It's not God. Because when you, John says, if we are faithful and just to, uh, to, to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness so if you're struggling with the things that you have done and you have asked the Lord to forgive you of those things and you have truly repented and walked away from them when they come back to mind just remind yourself that's what I used to be but it's not what I'm going to be and it's not what I am so it's important we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. What is written, cursed is everyone who hung, who is hung on a tree. He took the curse of sin for us. Through His salvation, His act of salvation on the cross, He died for us. He took our place. We are no longer the objects of God's wrath that we are the objects of His grace and mercy and love that we get to experience every single day. We are saved from our evil conscience. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. 
In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. But we are not. We are saved from our, from our, and we are saved from an evil heart. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. We're saved from an evil heart. I think I'm going to stop there. I'm going to ask our praise team to come because I'll just keep going and by 4.30 you guys might get tired. But I'm telling you, I, I love, I love this topic of salvation. We are saved. Sometimes we go, oh, we're saved. But what are we saved from? We're saved from being the objects of God's wrath. We're saved from, from death. And, and, and next week we're going to talk about what, what, the things that we're saved to. We're going to talk about what, what God has laid up in store for us. So this is only part A. So you can kind of ho go home feeling somewhat sad. But next week you'll be dancing. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that, that we're not where we used to be. And, and where we are today, we'll talk about where we are today, finish, but I want to talk about where we're going. 